0: Welcome to the Podcast. I am your host, Gary Hill. And with me, uh, hopefully for a while, is the lovely Jamie Jenkins.
1: Yeah, well, I hope so, too.
0: <laughs> How are you tonight?
1: I'm doing okay. Um, I am, um, yep, just finished watching one of the movies for the show, so it's fresh in my brain. <laughs> Great. Um, sent off my anniversary recording for Duncan's show. Um, before earlier, um, I'm super stuff. excited and yeah, I'm, I know <laughs> I was like, please, please, please. I want to do it. And <laughs> so, um, he let me get it in just under the wire, but, um, I couldn't miss out on wishing Duncan a happy two year anniversary for teapots. That would just be wrong.
0: Oh, he's a hack. Get rid of the bad <laughs> star of the show.
1: Yeah. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> he's a poser.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. What else got going on, girl?
1: Uh, well, I mean, that's pretty much it right now. Um, you know, I had a scare. Pugsley was in the hospital a couple yeah. weeks ago. It was actually two weeks ago today. I had to take him to the emergency vet. But he's all taken care of now. And um, he's one of his little paws is shaved from where they had to take blood. And then his butt is shaved. So he's walking around feeling breezy. Um, but he's doing fine, and other than that, nothing. All the nothing other, other cats.
0: All the other cats just pointing and laughing.
1: They yeah. were kind. <laughs> they, were, they were kind. They did hiss a little bit when he got home, which I didn't. I didn't. Uh, it didn't surprise me, because they were like, "You smell like a vet," <laughs> but you know they've been good to him.
0: Now he's like that bear in the great outdoors.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Hopefully he won't be run down by John
0: Candy. <laughs> <laughs> or the ghost of John Candy, that is. But, uh, with us tonight as a, a, a voice, you know, from the nation's capital the Terror Truth Podcast, the wild man Willis. How you doing, sir?
2: What up, peeps? I'm doing okay.
0: Uh, that's great. How's he going on your end, sir?
2: Uh, don't want to go back to work on Sunday. Been off for a week and a couple of
0: days and I don't want to go back. <laughs> Can't deal with the the uh, the, the crazy freakish troll woman of your work.
2: Well, I I be all right, because that one ain't even there because she pulling a, a a trick on everybody and she getting away with it which ain't fair. But I I say nothing because she'll get hers at the
0: end. Gotcha. I guess uh we'll start out we'll start I guess guest actually uh what have you been watching this week Willis anything good?
2: Well. What I've been watching, I ain't watched nothing really this week, but I've been watching a whole lot of stuff the last couple of weeks. I watched that horrible, horrible mess of a movie that they claim to be the Fantastic Four. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hot mess. Mission Impossible was awesome. SummerSlam was awesome.
0: It was boy, it, it was decent.
2: Stephen Amell, the Arrow, was one of the best wrestlers that they had so far when it comes to celebrity guests because he actually did something in the ring and he knew how to sell in the ring and everything else so that was good. The NXT show was a a little bit better than um, SummerSlam to me because they had more straight up finishes than the SummerSlam but I can't complain too much and I watched the documentary on the um, Doctor Moreau movie. Nice. That joint was had me laughing from beginning to end because I was laughing at um, <laughs> Feruzabot talking about um, <laughs> crazy old Marlon Brando. with the part when she was talking about what should be our motivation. He's like, uh, I haven't really read the script, so it doesn't matter. Just do what you want. <laughs> right that was so good i loved that dog <laughs> yeah i want to see the death of i mean whatever happened to the death of superman but i haven't had no money to pay for it yet so when i get some money i want to get that had the actual blu-ray nice anything else wills um i've watched hannibal all the way up they're waiting for the season finale that comes on this weekend the show's been good, but I'm kind of glad cause they they taken it off because it's basically become too predictable, like the last six or seven episodes, because you know what's going to happen. It's basically they doing Red Dragon over again, and it's too much like the mo- movie. Yeah, well, once you start- they have pulled
1: some dialogue directly from it, um, especially if you. Are familiar with Manhunter, there there was a, a lot of stuff just pulled. Like you, you could predict exactly what was going to be said in a lot of places, but I really, I'm, I'm digging it though. I think it's cool. I was excited to get to that part. I didn't really watch Hannibal that much up until this season, and then when it started getting to the Red Dragon stuff, that's when I got into it, of course, right before it's over.
2: And I watched Fear the Walking Dead. It's okay, but it's boring cause ain't nothing really happened yet until the end. And I don't like the fact that they kind of explain what started it. It's the flu, but I'm kind of mad that they letting it know what actually was the, um, the reason why the, the virus came about.
0: Well, they had, they had to kind of do that, I guess, you know, and from what I hear, you're getting another, another spinoff with the Dixon brothers. So that'll be a big seller for, uh, Single ladies and married ladies, and you know, and and me and you.
2: (laughs) And they supposed to be doing a one off TV movie where it's going to be an outbreak on a plane. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, oh, didn't have a uh, flight of the living dead or something like that, some kind of movie or something. Yeah, they did do a movie like that, but they going to. Oh, Quarantine 3, I think, was was on a plane. Quarantine
1: quarantine 2.
0: Was on a
1: plane.
0: And then there was also, yeah, Flight of the Living Dead. My fault. (laughs) So, so many bad sequels, so little time.
2: (laughs) So, they're going to do the Walking Dead version of it. And it's supposed to fall in line with the fear of the Walking Dead. But it's going to be just like like a one, uh, like an hour and a half special episode.
0: (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Jamie, what you been watching, girl?
1: Well, um, I also watched Fear of the Walking Dead. And yeah, I think I do think it was kind of slow, but then it was also the first episode, and you got to give them time to you know like weave their way in there. So I wasn't too disappointed. I would like to I can't wait to see what happens when things actually start bumping, but you know, I'll give them a little bit of time to stretch their legs, but not too long. You know, they can't sit on that for too long because I, I mean, I feel like when it really starts to go down, it's gonna go down. I mean, if it were to happen in real life, if that shit were to go down, it would go down pretty quickly. So I'm hoping that they will reflect that in the show. Um, Watched because of that. And there was something else that brought it up. It actually just had come up in conversation several times recently. So I rewatched 28 weeks later, Nice. which I happen to like more than I like the original or the 28 days later to, I don't know. There's just, well, for one, this movie just hits the ground fucking running and literally he is running. (laughs) And uh, I just, there are a lot of things about the 28 weeks that I just, I love. And I love Jeremy Renner and his character. And I completely forgot that he was in it, um, which is that tells you how long it's been since I've watched it. Um, So that was, um, oh, and then Rose Byrne, I forgot she was in it, but uh, cause I just hadn't, the only person I remembered was, you know, you know, Carl Monty. Yes. <laughs> full Monty. <That's>
0: big <laughs> big. That is
1: now his name. He is now. He will, ver- he will forever
0: be Begbie from train spotting. Come on now.
1: Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, but, um, so that was a fun thing. That was, that was fun to watch. We went to see a couple of movies since I think we recorded last. I don't think we had seen The Gift the last time we recorded, you know, had we? You didn't talk about it though. Okay, so we went to see The Gift and that was pretty good. It was it was um, unfortunately I think the trailer told you some told you a little more than you needed to know or than you should know, That's what I but um uh, but it didn't really it didn't ruin it. I still really enjoyed it. Jason Bateman was amazing. Um, and i can't remember the guy's name who wrote and directed it and he also starred in it as their creepy guy he was really good too so the performances were good it w- i thought it was super solid you know i i enjoyed it quite a bit and then on the other end of the spectrum we went to go see sinister 2 which is not completely solid. Like I really enjoyed the first one. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I'm not even an Ethan Hawke fan, but I thought he turned out a great performance in that film. There were a lot of things about that film that I liked, and um, just from a directorial point of view to the story. I feel like in the sequel, I think it was an interesting idea to try to look at it from the kid's point of view. Because... Obviously, if you've seen the first Sinister, then you kind of know that, you know, the kids are the ones who are responsible for all the stuff that's happening in in each family. But then they do this thing where um, Deputy So-and-So comes back as the lead character in Sinister 2, which I loved him. He was great. And uh, Shannon Sossman was really good. But (laughs) they have these kids because it's like from the kid's point of view kind of thing. And they have these kids who are just supposed to be looking, uh, I guess, sinister, you know, like they have this, they're trying to pull off this, like, really, like, evil look, and they, it's just way overdone, and to the point that it becomes comical, and, uh, like, you know, the director should have said, just pull it back just a little bit, you know, just rein it in, kids, because now you're making me laugh, but... Um, There are also some things that, I mean, deputy so-and-so made this huge revelation that it's like, Oh, he goes after the kids. Well, yeah, we already knew that. We knew that that's your revelation, not ours. So we can't really be bowled over by the fact that he figured that out because we already knew it from, from the first film. So it's just, you know, eh. and I was hoping for better because I enjoyed the first one, but in the end there are a lot of jump scares which I don't really feel, they use Bagul way too much. Uh, he just suddenly pops up out of nowhere, like standing behind people in a doorway or his reflection in a computer screen. And I'm like, I that's not what this is about. Get out of here. So it just, uh, it, I don't know. I just didn't feel like it was as sinister as the first one was, you know? And they kind of like overplayed the home videos that they did that the kids were doing with each house. And uh, they obviously took that and tried to run with it. I just don't think they you know, ran very far or they were tripping over themselves while they were running. I, I don't know. I was disappointed. I was let down. But, you know, I'm looking forward to The Visit. And, yes, that's a Shyamalan ding-dong film. And I know there are people out there who will groan just by the mention of his name, Brian being one of them. <laughs> but I – you know I try to remember the early stuff, and I do think he's talented, so I'm really interested to see how The Visit comes out. I've also heard some early reviews on that that are pretty positive, so um, there's that to look forward to.
0: I was going to make a Stephen Dorff joke there while you were talking about Ethan Hawke because those two actors to me are the two most mixed – I get them mixed up the most I think. It's Stephen Dorfman, it's, 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 it's the other one. It's Ethan Hawke it. So that would be an interesting series. I hello second year anniversary of Cinema Beef. We'll, we'll do a Dorf Fox series for you. You know, come on now.
1: Even more than Dylan McDermott and Dermot Mulroney.
0: Yes. Oh, oh that's, that's rough. That's rough.
1: Or um, Bill Paxton and Bill. What's the other one? Bill. Bill Pullman. Yeah. I,
0: I, don't, I know the <laughs> difference there, but just, you know.
1: Oh, you know one that gets me all the time is Aaron Eckhart, and fuck um, me, oh, um, The Mist. Oh, the oh. Thomas uh,
3: Jane.
1: Thomas Jane, yeah. I'm all the time, like, every time. I can never remember Aaron Eckhart's name, which is interesting because he's the one I did remember this time. But I can never remember his name. But I'm always like, you know, that guy who reminds me of Thomas Jane. And then my friends are like, Aaron Eckhart. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they know that I get that every time. That's, in how, you,
0: that's how you know that you're friends.
2: <laughs> this oh. is, this <laughs> is how you remember one from the other. Aaron Eckhart was two-faced and Thomas Jane was punishing.
1: Oh well, there you go. I will put I will plug them into comic book movies, and that, that's how I will remember. Oh. Which, by the way, I liked Thomas Jane as Punisher. Oh, um,
0: just throwing that out there. Oh yeah, one more thing. I just listened to the fem- feminine critique today. So if you guys want to listen to an in depth inner uh, in depth review of the gift of the and well they they did the, the gift and the gift. You know, from two thousand two thousand fifteen. You guys should listen to their, to their show. They're pretty good at their stuff. So that's a quick plug for them, I guess. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm kind of scared about the visit because I found out the movie is PG-13 and I also found out the movie is a comedy. So...
1: Yeah, I didn't know know that either until I saw one of the early reviews. I had no idea that it was a comedy. But um, he said that it was a successful one. So, I don't know. We'll see. This was Cecil from Good Bad Flicks, by the way. who's uh, And Cecil and I, we... Occasionally disagree, but it's really rare. Usually, um, usually our opinions are right on top of each other. And if you people out there are not familiar with that, check it out. Um, it's a YouTube show called Good Bad Flicks, and he covers just c- crazy stuff that that you would think like a lot of it is stuff that you probably haven't even thought of in years. And you're like, son of a bitch." Somebody's talking about that movie, but. Um, I think he's really funny the way he does it. And, you know, we tend to agree, so.
2: He kind of made me mad when he said he liked the new Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> he kind of lost some credibility. Oh, me
1: on yeah, that. there's right. that. There's... There, but I didn't see it, and I have no intention of seeing it. So I I did watch his review about it, though. And I was kind of surprised that he was as positive as he was. I wasn't expecting that,
0: but. <laughs> I, I smell a payoff in there somewhere. That's all I'm saying, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my god oh you watch anything else Jamie at all
1: um nothing that springs to mind
0: immediately okay yeah I didn't I know I want the only two. Team... oh rewatched Fury Road oh ain't nothing Sorry. wrong with that that's good stuff there <laughs> um as far as what I watched I watched a Chris Farley documentary I am Chris Farley and I got happy and sad during that thing because he was the guy who loved people, but he had a lot of substance abuse problems. So that was uh that was bad for him. That's why he passed away at shit early thirties, which is way too young. And uh, that's a recommend if you want to hear Adam Sandler and David Spade and his peers talking about him and his, his brothers and sisters. And you know, it was really a it was well made, and I, I really enjoyed it. And you know, I cried happy tears. Put it that way, it, it, it was it was a good time. Uh, I watched Jeepers Creepers one. I, I still don't like it, but but people say that Jeepers Creepers 2 was better, and I watched that, and they were correct. They <clears throat> get a lot
1: more. Who says that? Nobody says Lots that. Of say that. Creepers
0: 2 was ridiculous. It, it, was, it was ridiculously awesome. He had, no!
1: He had, just, Part 1 was good. What are you talking Part about? Part 1 was good, and that we did – we watched that. Did we watch that? Did we talk about it last time? I don't remember. I can't ever fucking remember, no. but we did watch that again recently.
0: Jeepers Creepers I really
1: one. liked the first one.
0: All it is to me is you, know, you get classic two two white kids look. Not, they don't always look down a hole, but they they look down a hole, and get into trouble where they shouldn't be messing, and you know they get attacked by this thing who happens to stitch people together for eons and eons. And there's a lady who's just. Oh
1: yeah, well the second one is so much better. It is. It, it
0: is action. its its actually it has got effect. everybody trapped it, in a it, bus it on it a street. Re- Ray Wise with a fucking harpoon gun. Come on. Now I I will
1: admit I will I will admit I don't agree with all of the choices that they made in the first film. Like I wouldn't have done some of the things they did. Like I wouldn't have gone back to see what was in the damn hole. I would have kept going. Yes. And then called the police. You know, story ends right there. But, I, I watched, you know, I if they had movie. done that, then
0: there would be no movie. So. I watched a movie like that, but like, fucking white people. Only fucking white people, okay? I
2: like the fact that the monster wins at the end.
0: Yes, that's very, that's the coolest part of the movie to me, is that, that very creepy scene where you see the eyeball going through the skin and he just flies away, and that's 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 pretty awesome. I just had more fun with Part 2 because there was just, you know, you get the sequel, you know, goddamn ass Victor Selva making me enjoy <laughs> fucking movies. T- taking fucking heads up and growing new ones at his place. And, you know, that was cool. And, you know, just, him just flying around, having more folks to kill. All the first of that was a black lady being walking the exposition to me. I, I don't it just, I It just wasn't for me, <laughs> you know.
2: And the first one is setting up the story. So when the, you watch part two.
0: You, you don't need to watch part one, though, because they tell you the story all over again.
2: Yeah, but for those who want to being purist and find out what's going. How the first one started? You watch the first one. Mm. Plus, kitty cats.
1: <laughs> in the first one, you have all those kitty cats. <laughs>
0: we we get, a, we get a kitty cat in one of these movies, but I'm not going to mention it right now. But uh, some some bad happens to the kitty.
2: <laughs> and you get the part where he sit there and rips off the um police officer's head and pulls out the tongue with his teeth.
0: Yeah, it, 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 it does have good parts. I just don't enjoy it so much. It's just it, – it's there. I'll tell you something I did enjoy was uh, I went to the theater. by the last time – yeah, the last time I went to the theater, I went and saw Straight Outta Compton with my friend uh, the first day, first day it came out because that's how we rolled in the, 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 the lower ghettos of Dalton, Illinois, the 60419. <laughs> so we, we, we had to go first day and – it's it's two and a half hours of greatness, and I'm not just not just uh, whistling Dixie here or something like that, you know. And it's really uh it's really good. The people look like the people. Uh, it didn't quite get all the stories of Death Row Records in there, but that's those that's a long list of stories. Would have been sitting there for five hours watching that movie. Uh, the guy that's playing Suge Knight is fucking terrifying because it looks just like him. Um, yeah, it's all around. If you, if you, if you like that kind of music and you, you grew up with that kind of music and you enjoy that kind of stuff, you really enjoy straight out Compton and, I uh, hope it, hope it does. It already, it's already done well. It's already doubled its money the first weekend. So I hope it do, goes, it does even further better, I guess you would call it. I am looking forward to seeing that myself. I
1: was looking forward for that to come out and,
0: uh,
1: yeah, I want to see it
0: um but besides that i watched a lot of curb your enthusiasm because hbo is kind enough to put all their stuff on amazon prime now and so i've been running through that series because a lot of them i didn't see if you haven't watched that before just think of like uh the adventures of larry david and it's, it's seinfeld's dirtier more racist cousin <laughs> if you, if you want to watch a uh, that I, I find it very entertaining there's a uh, there's a lot of crazy episodes, and if there's an episode like I can recommend is it's the la- very last season. Michael J. Fox moves into his building, and the running the running joke is, and My- Michael J. Fox is in on the joke, so I can laugh at Parkinsons in this case. That Larry thinks he's, he he can't tell if he's playing a joke on him or if it's the Parkinsons. Like he goes up to his apartment, and he gives him a Diet Coke, and Larry opens the Coke and it sprays everywhere. He can't tell if he's fucking her or it's the Parkinsons. It's like a big Parkinson's joke to the whole thing, and Michael J. Fox is another joke. So, I can laugh at that. <laughs> um, yeah. Besides that, um, nothing else really random that I can really think of. That yeah, I usually see like cases lying around. Yeah, watch that, 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 and that, that, that. But uh, today it's not uh, really going that way. Um, like Willa said, SummerSlam. I, I watched part of SummerSlam. I didn't, I didn't watch it all. I was busy. Um, Last weekend I went to a comic convention and I had a good time there and uh made some good contacts uh, one of which uh you guys will be hearing real soon hopefully so me and Jamie are probably pretty pretty excited about that so look forward to that like we're looking forward to it I'll uh, announce it pretty soon um besides that we'll uh, get to our movies for tonight on oh, in my fall I'm skipping over stuff I' am stupid ass that's a that's a edit out. we'll do our beefs of the week. Willis, do you have any beefs of the week, sir?
2: I have one beef for the week is fantastic four. God, How come they can't do that movie right? It has the easiest premise that you can ever do. The first one, not the Corman one, the um real legit one, had it almost right, but they just could not get Doctor Doom right. And it seems like they have a problem with Doctor Doom. He's the easiest character to do. All he is is an overlord of a country that is super smart. He has a suit like almost Tony Stark, fused with magic. So, I don't understand the logic of how they can't get Doctor Doom right. And it just doesn't make any sense in this day and age with all these superhero movies making them closely to the comic book characters. Why somebody have to go and make a sequel to Chronicle <laughs> and say it's a Fantastic full movie and it's not. And the studio hated what he did and he got pissy because they didn't want to do the movie he wanted to make. So they said, forget you. We're going to try to fix the movie. And they made the movie even ten times worse than what it probably already was. Just a shame and shame and disgrace. And I want to see that movie the Thursday night so I could get the review out for people to avoid it. And it must have worked because I had got a lot of views on my YouTube channel for that one. Please just send the rights back to Disney and Marvel Studios so we can get at least maybe a proper Doctor Doom. At least you don't even have to do the Fantastic Four because Doctor Doom is for everybody So we can see at least Dr. Doom, Silver Surfer, and Galactus in the Affinity Wars. But I don't think it's going to happen because Fox is just stupid. Do what Sony did. Sony know they screwed up with Spider-Man. So they went to Marvel and said, please help us make Spider-Man right. And both sides are hooking up together. So we're going to actually see a real Spider-Man the way he's supposed to be in Civil War. The world will be all right. Just let Fox had the X-Men, because that's the only thing that they can do right. That's my beef of the week.
0: Great. Uh, Jamie? Jamie?
1: There's one thing that has been just coming back to continually piss me off all this week, and I can't seem to get away from it. It just keeps dragging me back in. And it's... I'm sure you saw the story where the waitress posted the receipt where there was like a $112 bill and the person actually wrote LOL in the tip line and then wrote to the side, waited an hour for food. Well, that has sparked a lot of controversy uh, just on people's various views about tipping. And just what keeps getting stuck under my skin is when people refer to tipping their server as charity. And like, fuck you, it's not charity servers work for their money. It's like you're paying for a service that is being provided that you have requested by planting your ass in that seat at the restaurant. If you don't want to pay your server to wait on you, to clean up after you, to be your fucking nanny, to be your counselor, do all the other things that people depend on their waiters and waitresses to do then pick up the food and take it home where you can clean up after your damn self. Because when you pay the ticket for your food, you'll notice whether you sit there or you take it home, it's going to be the same price. So that means that that the money you're paying for that food is paying for the food. If you want the service, if you're opting for the service, then opt to show your server that you appreciate what they've done for you. It's not charity. It's hard work.
0: Yeah. So I, I, there. I agree. My mom, my aunt has been in the food service industry for the past, I don't know, the better part of forty years in in one way, shape, or form. And I, I know you guys. Sometimes you guys pull your tips, and you know that's 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 where you guys make your 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 decent money. So if I leave less than fifteen percent, I feel guilty. <laughs> you
1: know. And it's you know if you get poor service or just shitty, flat, no service then reflect that in your tip. That's your right. That is your, I mean, the way I look at it is tipping allows you to decide what you think that service is worth. You know, if restaurants were to pay waitresses a flat rate across the board, they would be forced then to jack up the prices of food across the board. And then everyone would be complaining about the high price of food and no one would want to go out to eat. As it is, you now get to decide whether your waitress deserves Good payment for the service they provided, no payment for the service they provided, you know, paltry payment, because it serves two purposes. One, it allows you to make that decision of what you think the service was worth, but it also motivates that server to do a good job. I'm sure everyone has had shitty service at, say, fast food restaurants. Well, they all get paid, whether you whether you like what they do or not. They get paid the same, so there's no motivation to care you know, And, of course, and if people were to say, well, the motivation would be keeping their job, fuck that. They can go get another one. It's not – and so could waitresses. You could always get another job. But you, what you want, ideally, is for someone to be motivated to do a good job because they, they care about their cu- – and a good server will. A good server cares about their customers. They care about their job. They care about their restaurant. And they want to see you happy when you leave, and they want you to come back. That's what a good server does. A good server will earn their money. So, but just to call it charity is ridiculous. If I were to go to your job and pick up your paycheck and refer to it as charity, do you think that that would be okay with you? No, it wouldn't because you work for your money. So does your server. You know, The the money that you're paying when you pay for that food goes to the cooks who get paid well regardless of whether people come in that restaurant or regardless of whether people like the food. It doesn't matter. They get paid hourly. They don't give a shit. But the waitresses then also, your advocate, they're out there fighting for you. And then people have no idea exactly what goes on behind the scenes of restaurants. Unless you've worked in the restaurant business, you have no idea what it's like to be back there. Begging to get your food out for your tables, fighting for your tables to get what they want, how they want it, checking over the food before it goes out there, sending it back if it's not right, because you want your customer to be happy. And that's like your number one goal. And then nothing hurts worse or slaps you in the face harder than doing all that shit for someone. Meanwhile, cleaning up after them, watching their kids, keeping their kids in line, which happens all the time, Um, you know, cleaning up puke. I mean it is just it is insane the stuff that you have to do and then for you know a table of a table of twelve people to get up and walk out like you did nothing you know I mean, and if you truly did nothing, then that's on you. but the waitress has no control over how long it takes for the food to come out. they really don't and to punish them. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't have waited an hour for food. I would have gotten up and gone somewhere else a long time ago. But you chose to do that. And by doing that, you're then keeping your waitress busy checking on you for at least an hour. And then plus however long it takes you to eat after they after they actually got the food. So that her table was tied up. She was having to constantly check on them. And I don't know, I wasn't there, but she said that she did. But, you know, I don't know. I was just about that, but mainly it was just about the, to, to discover the attitude that people have. You know, I always, I, I watch waiters then bust in their asses when I go out to eat, you know, I mean, if I see someone standing around, this is a long one, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> if I see someone standing around doing nothing or talking on their phone or playing on their phone or just chatting, then that's bad service. But if you look up and you see your server running like a chicken with their head cut off around the restaurant, going from table to table, trying their damnedest to make sure that everyone's happy, and it still takes a little bit longer maybe to get to you because they're that busy, then think about it. You know, just stop and think for a moment. You know, it doesn't mean that they're lazy. It doesn't mean that they're bad. It could mean that they're, you know, that they're busy. And, yes, you should be the number one priority. That's what everybody thinks when they walk in anywhere. They want to be the number one priority. But so does every other customer in that restaurant think exactly the same thing. So, anyway, tip your fucking servers. That's what I'm trying to, I'm
2: trying to say.
0: Always tip your servers, yes and
2: <laughs> oh. Th- That's just like when I went to see Rain- Ringside with Jim Ross. And the girl was working so hard, and I only spent like $10. I made sure I gave her a $7 tip because she was running around, and it was a whole bunch of people up in that joint. I know she was at least doing about 20 to 30 people at one time. So I was like, I only paid $10 just to get two beers. I might as well give that girl a, a nice big tip.
1: That was a very sweet thing to do, you know, and there are people out there and I do it too. Like I have been in restaurants where I've seen, there was this one, um, one time we went out to eat and the table next to us had like three kids. There was a huge mess. They just left behind this ginormous mess of shit everywhere and trash. The one woman was cleaning out her purse and had heard like receipts and trash all over the table and the kid puked on the table. Oh yeah. And then, and then they left. (laughs) And they left her nothing. And I was livid. Like, you what the hell? <laughs> so uh, we tipped her extra because it's like, God damn, I know what you're doing. I'm watching you right here and you don't deserve that. You know, and I don't I just don't know what's wrong with people. And I think, well, it's you know, it's a reward, you know, or it's it's a privilege. Like what? It's a privilege to wait on you hand and foot. It's a privilege to clean up after you. You really think that, you know, you go into a place and you choose to take advantage of a service that's provided. I think it's only fair that you pay them something for their time or for their effort that they put into it but anyway,
0: some, some folks ain't yeah. got no home training. That's all that is. See?
1: I just, you know, yeah. I mean, and I, I expect it from like teenagers, who, you know, they don't have a lot of money
0: anyway or whatever. I was a part but of grown
1: the, ass people. I was, a part,
0: I was a part of the vampire and coffee crowd. But <laughs> our, our waitress always got a tip.
3: <laughs> <sighs>
0: oh man. Yeah. My beef is, I guess with, with uh, poor nerds who bitch too
3: much.
0: <laughs> this is related to to the Nightmare on Elm Street, I guess. I don't even mean, know if it's a remake or a sequel or a retry or whatever it is. They're all up in arms about you know Freddy Krueger possibly being CG'd or something like that. And then you find out this week, you know, they, they're all up in arms about that. And find out this week that there's a petition going on to let Doug Jones play Freddy Krueger. Which I'm I'm 150 behind because if anybody's seen the episode of uh, Buffy called Hush and he, how chilling that is, him and Camden Joy just cruising around looking scary in the movements and and it, it, of course he played Abe Sapien and, and of course in the uh, Hellboy series and Silver Surfer and that lackluster Fantastic Four film, but um I think he's more than well deserved to to play that part because he might. Go back to Freddy's roots. A lot of these folks complain about, you know, especially in the latter films, where he is all it is is one-liners and crazy shit. Now, I think if the guy like that, you who who doesn't who had no speaking roles in anything, I don't think. Maybe he talked in Fantastic Four, but I know that he was dubbed as David High Pierce in uh, the Hellboy films. He didn't talk during the Hush film, Hush hush episode, because nothing. There was no there was no talking in the Hush episode. It was all silent. So, but um. I think he's more than qualified to bring bring back that old school flair to, to the character that people came to love and be afraid of. Uh, what do you guys think?
2: <laughs> well, since I'm a Super Freddy Krueger fan, I think they should just let it die and leave it alone and just just move on to something else. Make something original. I keep on going back to the same shit over and over again. The last time they did Nightmare on Elm Street, that joint was some booty, so...
0: But it made money.
2: It ain't, hard, it ain't made no money as much as they thought it was. But it didn't make no Freddy versus Jason money. But it
0: made a profit, though.
2: <laughs> well, I guess so, because it only t- cost them, like, $15 million to make the movie. Once they made over $30 million, that's profit.
0: Well, there you go, then.
2: But you see how long it took them to make a... To try they ain't even make a sequel to that joint because it was so horrible. Just like Amazing Spider Man two, that movie made seventy eight million dollars. But scary <laughs> but the um the critical response was so bad. Look what they had to do. They had to go to um Disney and Marvel to take the character back. So just because it made money that don't it critically it didn't do good. So that's why it's taking so long for them to try to do another one, because everybody knows it's only one, two Freddy Krueger, and that's it. Do it if they gonna do another Nightmare on Street movie, that Freddy Krueger passes powers to somebody else. So we gonna have somebody totally different call it the day.
0: Yeah, that's one one theory, uh, Jamie.
2: Well, I think
1: if anyone were going to do it, I'd probably be okay with Doug Jones doing it. He's pretty cool. I am not such a Freddie fan that it bothered, and you know, you know, you both know that I.
0: We know you like that enjoyed movie. The yes. remake.
1: I did, <laughs> um, but I really wouldn't have a problem with him just letting it go, just let it go. I mean, I agree with Willis. Make something new and original, and fresh. There's a lot of stuff floating around out there that we could throw some money at, and there are a lot of original screenplays that deserve to be made. You know, and so give some resources to them, throw something that way and let this go. Let people who love Freddie hold on to their memories of them, you know, and I will hold on to the memories of the ones that I love, which I do. I mean, I don't I really do like Freddie. It's not that I, I just have always been a Jason girl, you know, but, um, you know, I am perfectly happy to keep the ones that we have and remember those and go back and watch those and be happy with it. And that's, you know, that'll be my Freddie time.
0: That's fine. Yeah, I I, I kind of agree with you in in a way, but I it's just one of those things where, like I say, Doug Jones does great work, and I'd love to see like some screen tests, just to see what they would do with it before you know they make go and make a movie, you know, just to, just to see how that would work out, and you know of course scripts or whatnot, but you know, yeah, like, like you guys say, it's hard to let it let it die, but it's kind of hard to let it die when you know you got. Bob Shea, who still runs New Line and, you know, still makes... No, he don't. Oh, you don't? Okay. Nah,
2: he gave that up after, as soon as Lord of the Rings came out, they came and bought him out.
0: But Still, they're still making money off the character. And, you know, they're still making money. It's all it's all, it's all, all money. So it's it's not really up to us. I can't really sit here and say, this is what they shouldn't do. It's just like that petition going on right now. Just because that petition gets signed doesn't mean they're going to go and do it or anything. But um, stranger things have happened. The Hellboy three may happen if Pacific Rim two does okay. So let's uh, fingers crossed on that, guys. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I just thought about something since you said everything's
1: about money, and you know you're absolutely right. I think I'm gonna start referring to the Weinstein's as the CMB because <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much all they care about. <laughs>
2: yes, indeed. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. <laughs> I say if they gonna do... If they gonna do a all-CGI Freddy, just do the whole damn movie in CGI. Make a, a CGI horror... Raider horror movie and just call it a day. They could do whatever they wanna do with Freddy Krueger. They could do so many different things with the movie to just do the whole movie and CGI, have full CGI characters and everything. Be the first CGI full movie, horror movie, and call it a day.
0: Yeah, but, um... Yeah, it's our beeps, and uh, we'll go into our features now. What we're doing that is I guess we would call it, I have no title for this show, so I'm going to call it Supernatural Shitty Kids. And uh, <laughs> we're doing three films, uh, two vintage ones, one's from 84, in Children of the Corn, one's from 85, uh, a German film called Making Contact, or as they call it in Germany, Joey is a more common title. Like
1: Joey American or, or is it just Joey think, and then the American thing tagged on? First? I think
0: Joey. I, I don't know. I, I, and the IMDb says okay. Joey too. Maybe it was like
1: American dub. Maybe that was why.
2: Because
1: <laughs> it was like Joey American. I think maybe it was intending to say it was dubbed in American. But anyway, uh, I thought that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's
0: from 2007 because I'm unorganized. Uh, home movie we're going to do that uh, final footage movie which uh, (laughs) it's pretty wild stuff so uh, we'll uh, start this I guess uh, chronologically and do Children of the Corn first from 84 right after this
4: Every child is afraid of the dark the unknown the nightmare in Gatlin, Nebraska that nightmare is in the corn (laughs) Stephen King's Children of the Corn Stephen King, the author of Carrie, The Shining, The Dead Zone, and Christine, an adult nightmare. Children of the Core. I'm here, Lord. I'm ready. Help me! Help me! Help me! Stephen King's Children of the Corps, an adult nightmare.
0: Uh, Children of the Corn from 1984. Uh, I don't have my IMDb up, so I'm just gonna give you a, a shit plot synopsis of my very own. A uh, couple rolls into town in the Nebraska town, and they find it is uh, uninhabited by many by by anybody. But it's uh it's pretty much deserted until they come across a group of young toughs who basically want to kill them, and you know, cause they're the the Outlanders and all that good stuff, and. They have their own freaky religion going on. If you haven't seen Children of the Corn, here's my cheapo plot synopsis. Uh, Yeah, I'll basically start out by asking Jamie, uh, when was the first time you saw Children of the Corn?
1: I don't think I saw this one in the theater. I want to say it must have been on TV at some point. Not too long after it came out. So it may have been like a cable channel or something. I, I remember it being back then, but I really don't recall seeing this one um, anywhere but at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just love this movie. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I'm throwing this out there. First off, Peter Horton has the best trip ever in a movie when he
0: he falls in the barn.
1: Yes. When he's running or when he's running around in downtown, when he's running around the back of the house, he like, he trips and face plants, but he go, he gets some air before he hits the ground. And I don't, I just don't think it was planned. It looks so real. I mean, and if it was planned, then kudos to them because it looks very realistic. But I, I just have this feeling that he just tripped and fell and they just said, fuck it, we're keeping it. (laughs) (laughs) But I absolutely love it. It's fantastic. Um, I have, I have a an impression that I do from this movie. Gotcha. <laughs> he who walks behind the rose.
0: Oh, that little, that little <laughs> annoying girl. I don't know who's more annoying, her or brother.
1: Her brother. My lord, that boy. He's very funny though. He provides some like pretty. Some of his reactions are hilarious, and his lines are funny. He provides some comic relief, but. It really is kind of
0: annoying. And, he's, he's a little, um, he's a little bold that little shit too, because you know there, there was that great scene where, they're they're, they're playing, they're playing Monopoly, and it is, it is forbidden to play Monopoly and listen to records, because capitalism and rock and roll is not the way of he walks behind the rose, and of course Malachi played very demandingly by Courtney Gaines, but just chucks that knife at the Monopoly board. It's like, yep, capitalism bad, and you know. <laughs> they know they, they know they're doing wrong, but just you know they, they just know they got they got Isaac by the balls, they, of course played by uh, a <laughs> South Suburbs own Blue Island Illinois native uh, John Franklin, who I've I've I met four out of, I, I met like four cast members from this movie by the way, and I had the the best conversation with John Franklin because he's a South Suburbs guy like me, and we talked about that for I don't know how long you know, <laughs> oh my god,
1: yeah, I was kind of feeling them um. When I was driving, it was last, not this past April, but the April before, when I took my trip from Georgia to Michigan and then back. On the way back, driving through Kentucky, I could find nothing, and it was, on, because it was likely because it was on a Sunday that I was coming home, but I could find nothing on the radio all the way through Kentucky except for religious programs. No room for the homosexuals. And there's no room. You know, that part cracks me up, like driving through the middle of nowhere, listening to preachers the whole way. And um, I was just, I kept expecting some kid to step out in front of my car while (laughs) while I was driving home. But uh, yeah, I mean, watching this now, I don't think it holds up very well in the special effects department.
0: Oh, it looks awful.
1: I think. That's pretty solid, uh, solidly bad. And, you know, there are things about it that when I was a child, I thought were more creepy than they actually are. A lot of it is kind of laughable now. But I still think that the overall, the overall, I mean, because now as an adult, you start asking yourself questions like, how the hell would this go as long as it did? I mean, this is the middle of the country. It's not like it's, I mean, I don't know. It's not like it's completely off the beaten path. In the, in three years, someone would have had to come across this, you know, and I mean, obviously there was the the blue man um, and he got his just desserts or whatever, but it just seems unlikely that it would go on for as long as it did, you know, without something happening. But you know, when I was younger, I didn't think about that, and it was really scary to me. You know, it also makes me think of the South Park episode, yes. which I really love.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed.
1: In the in the before time and the long, long ago. Long ago.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed.
1: Um, but overall, I think this is still a really fun watch. Uh, not so much the sequels, but oh, I really I, d- the I first disagree. One. <laughs> I haven't I haven't watched them all and I know that the majority of them, I think all of them except for part two are on Netflix and it might even be there now I don't know but um, I plant because you know I had been going for a while I was going through all the franchises just watching every single franchise mm-hmm. and this one I hadn't gotten around to and puppet master I hadn't gotten around to and leprechaun I hadn't gotten around to just watching them all in like in a row but I want to. Because I haven't even seen all of these films, mm-hmm. so a lot of these will be a first-time watch for me when I actually goad myself into doing it. Yeah. But um, you know, the first film I really like, uh, uh, Linda Hamilton, I think is solid. Peter Horton is solid. Like I said, some of the things are kind of laughable now, but I don't care how old you are. Isaac is scary as fuck.
0: Yes. <laughs> you know? oh.
1: And when he comes back and he's like, he wants you too, Malachi.
0: I, I, I had a whole conversation with John Franklin about the opening scene of that movie, which I, I don't like cutaway violence normally, but the way it's shot inside, Han- with Hanson's cafe or whatever, mm-hmm. the way they shoot that it, it's great. Cause you just, see like blood on the milkshake, blood on the meat, the, the meat cutter. You see, you see, see stuff. You you get what's going on. It's, oh yeah. Just, well, I
1: mean, if they had attempted to show it, it would have been gratuitous and I think too much. You know, I I really I agree. I think that they what they did there was, and I typically don't like cutaway violence myself, mm-hmm. but I think in that case there was so much of it that they made a smart choice, and they kind of I guess didn't have a choice back then.
0: But you know, although although the, the the blood on uh, on Malachi's um, blade when um he went to go kill um. I think it was named Joseph, the one that was going to run away in the beginning. I, I forget his name now, but he...
1: I was thinking that was the name of the kid who's 18th, or no, what was
0: his name? It was A- A- Amos, Amos.
1: Amos, that's right. Okay, so yeah, maybe Joseph was the one with
0: in the beginning. Yeah, but he, the, the blood, it, it looked like it was like painted on, the, maybe because it was HD, I don't know, because Netflix has great HD prints of these movies, and you can see like the blood like looking very fake on his blade. Whereas you know Peter Horton brought up in the film because Peter Horton's a doctor, so he knows when blood coagulates and you know, right? If cut him as bad as he did, the blood should have been dripping off of that blade, you know. <laughs> oh my God! Oh Willis, uh, let's hear your 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 uh, on the Children of the Corn, my friend.
2: Well, HBO played a joint to death back in the day, so I got tired of the movie real quick. But it's a classic. But I, my belief always was for kids in the movie, all you can, all you had to do is just kick them like footballs and you don't <laughs> have to worry about them no more. But since they were by themselves and they ain't had no help, they were stuck because there was too many of them. And I always thought um, Malachi was more creepier than Isaac at times because... Malachi just looked like he wanted just to kill people because he wanted to kill people. He didn't even really care about he who walks behind the roads. He just looked like he just wanted to fuck shit up just because he wanted to more than anything else in my eyes. And Isaac, even though he, was, he wasn't he was really a kid when he was doing that movie, he was about 23, 24 when he was doing that. Mm-hmm. He, he still played off as a Good kid, cause you couldn't tell because you know him and his disease. So he played it off pretty cool. And all I got to say is, by the time you watch like the third or fourth of them series, you're gonna be wishing that you hung yourself because them <laughs> movies are just terrible. Oh my it's god! It's just like the it's just like the ladder Hellraiser movies. You know they was wasn't originally a Hellraiser movie at first. So that's basically what the Children of the Corn is. They were they just slapped the name of Children of the Corn, but they wasn't originally that from the script. So that's what happened with them. But yeah, it's a creepy movie. And when they tried to remake it for Sci Fi Channel, it was a little bit closer to the book. But
0: yeah, what, well, what, what book? The, the source material is like 15 pages long. That, 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 I know, that's it's all the there short, is. Yeah, it's a short story. So I mean, I think there's, I think there's mention of Isaac and, and Malachi and Gatlin, and he walks behind the rose, but they don't really go into, you know, the the, the rhetoric and the you know wh- why they did what they did. But you know, I, I'll go into that now. It's, it's almost like I, I'm not saying that the, the lovable types of, of, of Gatlin had a point, but they kind of did because they kind of get to get into it in the second film. About how basically the adults ruin the earth, so the children have to take it back, you know the, that kind of deal, you know whatever, you know would it be eat too much, you know high cost of emissions and all that stuff. They gotta protect their 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 harvest and all that crap. And but I, I can see, you know why why well crazy or not, you know because you see the fucking creature at the end as bad as it looks when they when they <laughs> burn the field and it's just this giant fucking face inside flames, you know. But you do see that he who walks behind the rose is a real thing. And you know, somebody was talking to somebody.
2: Right. You know what Children of the Corn adaptation remind me of? It almost reminds me of how Carrie's adaptation is. If you read the book and watch the movie, it's two different things. Mm -hmm. Even though the remake tried to pull a little bit more of the book into the movie, but they, I don't know why they was scared to not have Carrie to be a, a fat, pimply white girl <laughs> instead of somebody always slim and trim like in the movies. Why couldn't they just be daring and just do the source material? Because Carrie in the book, she is an unlikable person. She has no redeeming qualities at all. But
1: yeah, because this... the greatest American hero wouldn't go to the prom with. A <laughs>
2: fat, <family> girl. <laughs> and, and I was so waiting for Linda, Linda Hamilton to turn into Sarah Connor in this movie. Maybe she would have
0: done it when she was singing and dancing, you know? Because that's pretty terrible, you know.
2: Yeah, it, it's a classic. I, I can watch it now more than back in the day because. You very seldom see it on the cable. And I'm actually waiting for them to bring out a decent collector's item, mm-hmm. DVD or the movie, or Blu-ray. But they they probably do it over in England and probably won't bother about bringing it over here.
0: Yeah, I'm one of those, those people that, are, that was brought up at the church. And I've met different kinds of church people o- over the years. And I think there there's a part where the Peter Horton character, this is the part where um they he busts in on their, I guess, their setting up Amos for sacrifice ceremony thing. And he he picks up their Bible. And it, it, what he says is so profound to me because it reminds me of, of church people that I've come across over the years Wherever where he goes, you know, I, I, you got your Bible, you, you go by or you just change the stuff you don't like because people can say they live lived their life, you know, by what, what their what their pastor says or whatever the Bible says. But, but, a, lot, but a lot of them really aren't, you know. <laughs> they're just uh, shitty people who talk behind each other's backs, and they're are, are cruel to each other. And you know, uh, yeah, th- that 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 scene always hit me kind of hard as a kid for, for that reason because I was so overly immersed in the church, you know, that kind of deal. You know, the the, the fact that uh that I guess I don't know why you would have to sacrifice yourself in your, your 19th year. I guess because once you be, cease to become a child. I guess you be, cease to be pure, and I guess you have to give yourself. I guess to, uh, I guess help more help more corn grow, <laughs> like in <laughs> like in the Wicker Man or something, you know.
2: Almost sound like the original story to Logan's Run. After you nineteen, you gotta kill yourself.
0: You go into carousel, see? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Stuff like that. Uh, Isaac's dialogue is is really great to me, you know, because he's they got the right guy for it, in my opinion to make you really believe what, what he had to say. Like, yeah. I can see why a bunch of kids would get behind what this, what this kid had to say. Cause he had a lot to say and a lot of it sounded like it made sense. But you know, of course, you know, they, they, they find out, I don't know, three quarters of the way through the film that Isaac is, might be full of shit. And that Malachi is, if anything, the more the aggressor So I guess they're going to get behind him or they're going to get their fucking throat slit by fucking Malachi. But, um, that was all great. Uh, like you mentioned, Peter Horton, <laughs> his great spill on the barn was is pretty epic. I, I love that. Uh, nobody mentioned E.G. Marshall yet, but I love him whenever he shows up in anything. Him and that mangy dog. Um, E.G. Marshall? Is it E.G. Marshall or is that a – no, R- R.G. Armstrong. Damn.
1: Okay, Archie. I
0: was like, no! <laughs> R.G. Armstrong, I'm sorry. He shows up in this movie with a... Yeah, he's always cranky. And he's got a magic <laughs> dog, and he ain't got no gas either. Come on, now. <laughs> I, I love how shows uh, up. Children... I feel bad for him,
1: though. He didn't tell them anything. He, did, yeah, you know, but... he, he upheld his end of the bargain. Uh, Malachi
0: was a bastard. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> That's not... It was just,
1: he was all pissed off about being a ginger, I
0: guess. I don't know. <laughs> They threw shit on his house, man. That's all I'm saying. You
1: You threw shit at my
2: house. You shit on my house.
0: Oh, man.
2: I guess that movie just proved that gingers have no soul.
0: Yes, they do. they don't. Damn. That's
2: definitive right there.
0: Don't let my boo uh, Cindy hear you say that. She might might have to mess you up with us, you
1: know.
0: (laughs) Oh, what else is there? Oh, I, I love I love the fact that Children of the Corn uh, <laughs> predicted biodiesel fuel. <laughs> Cause if you hear if you hear uh, Isaac and and going back and forth after he killed a, the 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 gas man, <laughs> what do you call it? Mal like, we got our own fuel from the corn. It's like just him and Cheech and Chong just hanging on the barn, smoking a doobie, dreaming about bioelectric fucking fuel. You know? Oh my God, that's that's funny to me that. Just, I just noticed that when I watched it for the show. It's like, we got our own fuel from the corn. It's like, where are you hiding the weed at there, Malachi? <sighs> I got a whole crop for you kids. Come smoke it up. We'll talk about all kinds of shit. He who walks behind <laughs> the rose. All kinds <laughs> of stuff, man. Making you see fucking rainbows and unicorns and shit too. Oh my god. But yeah, it's just... There- oh, go on, I'm sorry. I was gonna
1: say, that reminds me, when earlier when you were talking about how he who walks behind the rose in the movie is a real thing, and I kind of wish they didn't do that. I I think it would have been scarier if this was something that the kids had, like there was some kind of mass hysteria, like an, maybe an ergot thing or something, where the kids like did this on their own. And you know, but by actually revealing that there's something there, something sinister behind it, it sort of gives them an out, which I think makes it less scary.
0: It does. And, be, it does make it very silly when you see that face in the flame at the end.
2: You know what that face looked like? You ever see that episode of He Man where um this girl was stuck in the castle and her boy this dude was trying to pursue her and the devil was talking to him and it was a little <laughs> beast, it was a little beast thing. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> And, and, the, and the master came out of the flame, <laughs> of the um, chimney, and it almost looked like he who behind the rose. It looked just like that.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Either yeah, and here's another thing that always bothered me, too. This is he who walks behind the rose, or he who tunnels under the corn, or he who, you know, sucks people down into hell i mean and spits the crosses back up and all the things that all the things that are happening here sort of lead you to like a satan-y place do you really think that blowing it up is the answer and what the hell are you blowing up you
0: know i just i never understood well if the power's in the corn and you burn the corn you know i i can i can see well, why they went the way they did you know and, I
1: think mean, it's kind of like a we don't really have another choice kind of thing. No. The, you know, the, but the fact that it actually worked blows my mind because clearly it's something supernatural, and I just don't think that's going to do it.
0: It is very much but, alive in the second film. <laughs> yeah. But but through a new kid who gets who gets who gets the mojo, and I love I love in the second film where you actually see him get taken over by he who walks behind the rows. I forget the kid's name in the in the second movie, but there's some great kills in that movie. It was like Methuselah or S- <laughs> something, man. This kid gets possessed by he walks behind the rose, and all of a sudden he's like the, the head kid in charge, you know.
1: Have y'all ever known a kid named Methuselah?
0: Nope. Nope.
1: Like I've always wondered why some Bible names have survived the test of time, you know, and then others were
0: just forgotten. You know, this
1: No is... one names their kid. Even Noah came back around, but no one names their kid Methuselah.
0: Even, or you know, Nebuchadnezzar. Even those freaking uh, those those vegan pamphlets. Would <laughs> you eat? You would eat the cuddly ones, but you'd eat this one, you know. <laughs> who the fuck said I wouldn't eat a dog if I, if I wasn't hungry enough? Come on now, it's just, it's, it would happen, baby. Be a dead be a dead dog but eat the dog.
2: What makes matters worse about he who walks behind the road If you watch one of the later ones, it's a mole creature.
0: <laughs> oh my God. It just gets worse. It just get, they they do they do get bad, but there there's some shiny diamonds in the rough. I think. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess anything else you gotta say about this one? We'll uh, go into it now, Willis. Well,
2: one thing for sure, the movie don't drag on like some movies. It gets once it gets to galin, it gets to straight to the point, and it keeps on going. So, I had no complaint about that.
0: Cool, uh, Jamie.
1: Um, I, I think I pretty much said it all. Okay. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I like, I mean, even though, like I said, there are some complaints, but I, you know, and now it kind of falls into the charming category, you know, where like even the complaints that I have just sort of enhance my viewing.
0: Oh, it definitely, you know, uh, as far as I go, this is a VHS classic to me, um, Kids suck, especially the the smaller ones suck the most to me because I can't stand them. You know, little, little, little Robbie Kiker who grew up to be in the Monster Squad. You know, <laughs> um, what what else? Uh, yeah, g- g- great great characters in this, and I, I I have to say that you know it's not as boring as folks make it out to be, and uh I'll, I'll leave it at that. It's just it's children of the corn. Take it or leave it. Watch it streaming on Netflix. you know? <laughs> Uh, grades Willis one through ten, sir.
2: I give it an eight.
0: Okay, Jamie. I'm
1: gonna say. I'm gonna go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't hold back, girl. I'm, Come on now.
1: I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna say
0: seven point five. Fair enough. I'm right with Wills with there an eight with as with an eight. I probably get the next two an eight actually because I have just as much fun with the second and third as I do with this one because uh. Yeah, that's a thing. But uh, uh, with that, I think we'll move on to what may or may not be the wackiest review on this episode. We discuss Making Contact, a.k.a. Joey, from 1985, right after this. The
4: following message is a paid advertisement for the Cult of Muscle podcast. The Cult of Muscle. You're either in it or you're dead. It's the dawning of a new age. The halls of Valhalla have been shuttered. The heroes of yore have either retreated to the shadows or taken to capering for the amusement of the small folk. Their past glories a distant memory. The barbells have been torn from their once puma-strong grips. The beards shone from their square jaws only to be transplanted onto flannel-clad, puny weaklings with fingers barely powerful enough to strum a ukulele. The time has come, my brothers to restore order from the chaos. No longer will our heroes be forgotten. No longer will their great deeds be viewed through a foggy lens of irony. Hear now our rallying cry as we scream it from the mountaintops, as we bellow it from iTunes and Libsyn and Facebook. It's time to join the cult, my brothers. So don your cloaks and enter
3: the cult of muscle.
4: Especially when you're different. When you're helpless. Mommy, look out! And alone. But now, Joey's the man of the house. And it's under attack. Watch out! Oh! Supernatural forces. He can't understand. But Joey won't be helpless for long. Because Joey's not alone. This world
0: adventure. Uh, Making Contact, a.k.a. Joey from 1985. Um, there's a bunch of German people, and I the think they can see a couple of Goebbels on there, too, but, you know, I'm not going to get into the cast and who's in this movie, because nobody knows who's in this movie except for a bunch of German folks. But, um, Jamie, want to take lead on this one and uh, tell the folks what it's all about?
1: Okay, well... Uh... Making Contact is basically about a little boy, Joey, who loses his father. We start the film at his father's funeral. So it's kind of dark in the beginning. And, you know, he's at home later and receives a strange phone call on his toy phone. And his toys start start moving around. and, And he believes that he's talking to his father. And so he, you know, is comfortable about it. But for some strange, stupid, unknown reason, he tells his friends at school about it, which I just even at that age, I think I would have known better than that. But whatever. Then, of course, he gets teased about it. And and uh, then later he comes across this creepy ass um, uh, ventriloquist puppet and uh, shit starts to go down. And, you know, in in a really weird, (laughs) weird we, the filmmakers, have seen Poltergeist. We, the filmmakers, have seen The Goonies. And we, the filmmakers, have seen E.T. kind of way. Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: there's <laughs> a lot. This film's a lot of things. <laughs> oh, man. Willis, you, I think you had the, the most fun with this movie. Tell the folks what you think about it, sir.
2: Man, this movie was a hot mess, but it was fun as hell. I was dying laughing. I was like, man, they done ripped off so many things. Like Jamie said, E.T. and... Goonies, and I got, even though Hellraiser came out after this movie, I got a Hellraiser vibe at one point. one point, you felt like you was walking into Labyrinth, and, man, it just was just off the wall. You seen stuff flying in the room, like Polter, Poltergeist. They had the Star Wars ships flying around, just like they did in Poltergeist, and All kind of stuff. And it looked like the dummy from a bootleg dummy from Magic in the movie. I was like, man. And it was a kid's film. Oh, That's the thing that tripped me out. It was a kid's film.
0: That's the biggest problem I got with this movie. I don't call it a problem, but, you know, continue, sir. I
2: was like, man, this is some off-the-wall mess to be some kid's film. And you know why this movie is all craziness? Because it's a Roland Emmerich joint. So if you know his movies, all his stuff is just mayhem upon mayhem. And it shows.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this movie to me. This is like if somebody watched Batteries Not Included, it took a whole bunch of acid. And then they, they called Germany and said, we got we to gotta make a movie. They they, they, they made this movie. Because if you see the box, the, Ameri- the American box art, which I'm not sure if it's the same as the German box art. It's like this kid opening his closet to like a bunch of wonderment and light and stuff floating around. It looks like a film that's marketed to kids and it probably was. But there is some spooky, scary shit going on in this fucking movie. I mean, there's there's, he's talking to the dead. Is he run of the show? Is the dummy run of the show? Because for some reason the kid develops telekinetic powers and then that's when the E.T. shit comes in because of course they bring the teacher home and then all this bad stuff with the dummies happening and stuff floating around and him flying the dresser into his door frame. And, and, you know, that's when the government comes in and wants to inspect them for about a whole three minutes. Cause he gets away very, very quickly by these group of toughs who don't really give a shit about him anyway. That's what I don't get about. He really doesn't have any friends, but you know, it's different, it was different in E.T. because those were all of his brother's friends going to rescue him. But he had the one, the one girl who he played with her pigtails or something and with his, with his magical powers, and <laughs> they they helped him escape. It, it it just seems like they had all these trucks and all these things, and he got away very very easily from from that. And and then the, there's the scene. Oh God, did they go into that that? Well, I don't get about. They, they go into like that haunted house. They they go into to the house or the clubhouse or some whatever the fuck house they're going into. And then it's just licensing city. anything anything that would scare the hell out of kids comes out of the walls, including Darth Vader. <laughs> and uh, uh, actual Darth Vader coming out with the full mask and the, uh, uh, you know, really crazy shit. And this film is filled with crazy shit, including, like, nasty-looking creatures that would scare the pants off a normal kid. And even when you see the, the teacher she's the nasty-looking creature in, in the garbage can chomping around, he still thinks, well, this kid's still fucking nuts. Let's call the <laughs> government, you know.
2: <laughs> I- I was blown about the fake R2D2. Oh, yeah, it was funny, man. <laughs>
0: uh, Jamie, I'm dying to hear your opinion about this movie. What, what do you think, girl?
2: Well,
1: okay, I was into it when it started out, and I thought immediately I started seeing signs of it. And like I said earlier, it was, the, the two immediate things that came to mind were Poltergeist and E.T. Yes. Um, E.T. mainly because the score, which was. <laughs> insane. I mean, the score was so dramatic at times when it didn't necessarily need to be that dramatic, but it was just like, wow. But I think the score was really good. It just uh, was far more dramatic than the film in, in some places. I was into it probably two thirds of the way. And then when we got to the part where, uh, you know, he's like in the labyrinth area, you know, and, and that it started to lose me. I was getting kind of bored with it and I wanted it to hurry up and be over. And um, then it took a really dark turn that I wasn't expecting, um, which was kind of cool and that the kid dead, was dead. Um, <laughs> and I, was, I was like, wow, that went dark all of a sudden. Um, but and then, of course, we get that end. You know, where it's like, oh, his eyes are open. Um, One thing, though, that kind of stuck out to me was when they when the kids all escaped, you know, it was all over and they came back home. They found him and they brought him home. Why didn't they take him to a hospital? Who in the hell would set up like a mobile, like a mash unit in some kid's bedroom with? that made no sense to me whatsoever. Like, Take the kid to the hospital. What are you doing? And that's another thing that kind of reminded me of ET. It's like, we saw ET and how they did that tent thing with all the, with all the, like the suits and the, and everything was all tented up. And you know, the men in the space suits and we want to do that. We want to do something like that. That's just the whole, that's what kept running through my mind the whole time is that they just really wanted to do something like that, even though it made no sense whatsoever and no one would ever do that. Um, so that was just silly. Plus, the kids are just walking in. They're like, oh, the, the boy has died. And then, or, you know, the um, female William H. Macy, who was the doctor, um, <laughs> comes in and tells, you know, that the boy has died. And so all the kids run in there, and they're like, we want to see him. I'm like, yeah, because that's going to happen. They're going to be, and they're folding back the sheet, like, yeah, come on in, kids, check out the corpse, you know. Because, again, <laughs> things that would happen, never.
0: Um, but maybe if, maybe, if they, um, maybe if they clap a lot, like in Peter Pan, maybe they'll come back to life again, you know?
1: <laughs> but in a lot of ways, it did have um, the other two that I mentioned. It also had a very Goonies feel to it. Yes. And uh, especially the parts where it got down. But I think, I think if I had seen, and this was a first watch for me.
0: Oh, that's for us, too.
1: And I think if I had seen this, um, like, you know, around that time, cause I was about that age. So I think if I had like about Joey's age, I guess. And if I, I think if I had seen it around then, I probably would have been into it a lot more, like all the way through as it was, it just kind of started to lose me a little bit. But then when, um, but then when like, you know, the, the Star Wars thing started flying around at the end and everything. I perked back up just because I thought it was hilarious and uh, I'm just looking at all the implausibilities and I thought that was really funny. Um, up until that point though, the, the other thing that stuck out to me was that damn dummy and he was just like Oh. He was like, you think that's your father talking? And he sounded like Pennywise. He's like, Th- yeah. you think that's your father on the phone, but it ain't. <laughs> <laughs> it's it was uh... Oh, God. One thing I don't get is this dummy had been in this building, in this box for a very long time, and you could tell because everything was all cobwebby and covered with dust. What was the impetus for it to suddenly start doing what it's doing? I mean, Joey's dad's death? What exactly happened there to spark I mean, I'm not sure how all of this even happened, I guess is
0: what I'm trying to say. It's it's very confusing. I I think that with with Joey's dad's death, you don't even know, because there's that part, you know, where, you know, oh, you want to find out if it's your father or not. All of a sudden, this giant flashing face comes out of the closet. Now, you've never seen Joey's father in this movie, so you don't know if this flashing face is Joey's father or not or some weird entity or something. So the the fact that, you know, is he talking to his father, is he not talking to his father, maybe it's like a whole, like, like in Poltergeist 2, where Carol Ann's talking on the phone to the, to, to supposedly the grandmother, you know, to, to, to let something in, I guess you would call it, you know? Because, mm-hmm. again, they're ripping off Poltergeist.
1: Oh yeah, well, quite a bit too, especially with the phone thing and and the, the toys flying around and all the Star Wars references. I mean, there was just Star Wars sheets and Star Wars Star Wars toys. And I understand they were just recreating a kid's bedroom. Did you see the Jaws game? Oh uh, yeah, the Jaws game. I, just, I have that. I, I actually have I it. It's gonna... in my it's in my library on <laughs> sitting on a shelf in my library.
0: I I see the um, ET glass. I've seen that for sure.
1: Yeah, there's all kinds of just hey, remember that Smurfs stuff, you know? It's like hey, were you a kid back then? <laughs> this is your life. Um, um, the mother was cracking me up too, uh, and I have to say the American dubbing on this was terrible. I mean, it, yes, it was. I think maybe I would have been a little more engaged had the dubbing been better, or maybe if it was maybe if I was actually watching the German version with subtitles or something. Because a lot of times when a movie is dubbed like that, the actors doing the dubbing just don't emote like they normally would if they were actually acting in a film. It just doesn't seem to mesh. So um, it was pretty awful. (laughs) (laughs) And then that one fat kid was cracking me up too.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. There's always a fat kid. There's always a a fat kid. And
1: who was that little – who was that black boy? Did you (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> was he there the whole time? Because suddenly at the end, when all the kids are in the hallway, there's this little black kid. And I was like, where the hell did he come from?
0: Um, he's, he's an extra? Uh, I, I don't know.
1: I didn't I didn't see him before. And I was like, was he always part of the gang? Was he there? Because I didn't see him. And then all of a sudden, there he is. And I, like, well, I don't understand. <laughs> did I miss him somehow? Was he in the film? And I just kept looking away when he was on screen. Because this... I, I just didn't remember him ever being there.
2: Did I make that up? They cut him out, probably, because the American cut got stuff cut out of it.
1: Oh. Yeah, you know, uh, I did see that the German cut was um, it looked to be like a good 10 minutes longer, 20, at least. 20. 20 minutes, yeah. I'm gonna
0: watch that. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> well, why did he get cut out? Because black kid? That's
0: not cool. Because black kid? sound <laughs> like cave woman, black people? I
1: know. I mean, Cool, and then just suddenly, oh, you're still in it. See, look, you know <laughs> that doesn't count. Um, but yeah, I hate when they do shit like that, like you know where Barbara Crampton ended up on the cut room floor of of,
0: of Lords of Salem. Well, oh, I hate a, that shit. That's okay though. I don't. I don't want her name on that movie anyway. Oh dang.
2: there I don't, oh, don't well, want to think about that movie no.
1: More. <laughs> <laughs> but I just imagine what it's like to be an actor in a film where, you know, you're all excited because you're in a movie. And imagine that kid. He's, like, telling kids at school, hey, I'm in this movie, you know. And then, you know, they watch the movie, and they're like, where are you? And he's like, there I am right at the end. That's fucked up.
0: It's like, it's like they'll cut the – they won't, kid,
1: he didn't even have a line.
0: They won't cut that <laughs> guy whipping his dick out in, in Teen Wolf, but they'll cut me out of the movie, goddammit, you know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: if you ever see the end of Teen Wolf where they're all cheering and jumping around – Look for the guy whipping his dick out, because it's still there, okay?
3: <laughs>
0: that's just bad editing right there, that's all I'm saying, you know?
3: <laughs>
0: oh, why did I bring that up? Oh. But yeah, the, the, the main appeal for this movie was that it was just fucking bonkers for a kid's film. That's why I was so enthralled in it. That it was marketed for kids and, you know, there was all kinds of freaky shit happening that probably would scare the market that it was attached to. You, even the end of the movie is fucking creepy because, again, he's, 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 he's laying in the bed and all of a sudden shit starts moving around again. Now was it the dummy the whole time making shit happen or was it the fucking next, next son of fucking the devil or something like that, you know, making shit happen in this fucking house, making monsters and shit start floating around. He could have been making that dummy talk to him this whole time, which which you don't know. There's so many unanswered questions in this movie, and I'm fine with that, <laughs> you know? Uh, but yeah, uh, Willis, you got anything else you want to say about making contact?
2: Well, it made contact to me because I was just laughing from beginning to end. The whole movie was just the old 80s trip of a movie that only would happen in the 80s. And I see why they picked Roland Emmerich, why he did this movie, and I see why he got the job for Independence Day.
0: Cool. Uh, Jamie.
1: Um. Well, I guess I think it was fun in the beginning. I like the little things that remind me of the other movies that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. I do, have, however, think those other movies are better. And I don't. I probably won't watch this again it was a little rough for me yep. but you know i think if you've never seen it it's worth adding to you know giving it a watch just so you know it's out there and you know what's up i'm glad i saw it because i'd never seen it
0: before great uh me myself yeah it's just just a bonkers 80s film and i don't think this is this is the biggest this isn't the biggest rip-off of another film ever they then on goes the mac and me you know <laughs> Which is a film I've seen a ton as a kid and I've probably watched it as an adult as well. Um <laughs> that'd be my birthday movie. Hey Jamie, you want to review Mac and Me, you know? Just uh <laughs> see an alien. I a-
1: can't hear the title Mac and Me without thinking about Alex. And if you heard that episode of Skeleton Crew where he referenced that and then you'd know why, but <laughs> Because oh, he God. says that naked he looks like Mac and Me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's a pretty, that's a pretty ugly naked person right there, you know.
1: I seriously doubt that's true.
0: <laughs> I doubt it's true too. I just a thing. If, if his body looked like Mac and Me's, and he <laughs> he'd have a big ass punch and no and no dick, and you know. <laughs> Your ears sticking out and shit
1: hey, well he was to be fair he was specifically referring to from the view from behind but
0: um, oh so he has no ass then either
1: yeah but i don't <laughs> see that <being> true.
0: <laughs> oh my god poor alex but um i guess we'll shoot in the ratings now um wills what's your rating for making contact sir
2: it's just so fun i can't help but give it a 7.5 <laughs> okay
0: jamie
1: uh I'm gonna have to give them this this is pretty low so I'm gonna say five
0: that's fine I, I understand everything you're saying way you give it a five but like Willis said it's just too bonkers not not for me to, to say I had a good time with it so I'm gonna give it about a seven I'm I'm right right there with a seven uh and it's a strange it's a very very strange obscure recommend for folks to watch you know but um, with that, we'll be right back with our last feature in the home movie cover up right for this.
5: not getting the coverage of tv horror from the other podcasts out there then look no further than evil episodes podcast where we'll give you the in-depth coverage of all the best and the worst that the small screen has to offer oh my god you're hearing just about the big screen listen to the small screen here on evil episodes mike Corey, and jamie man we're gonna make things weird for you and just uh, bring to you everything that you don't hear about that you should be watching on TV. Wow. Jamie, give us some examples.
1: Uh, well, how about we talk about new stuff like American Horror Story or The Walking Dead, or this this season's Sleepy Hollow. Uh, but then, not only that, we dig into old stuff like Tales from the Dark Side and Supernatural.
5: Holy moly! That sounds like a fun fucking podcast to me. You bet your sweet ass it does. And Jamie, where's the only podcast where they can hear about all that stuff?
1: Well, it's Evil Episodes of course.
5: That's right. So set your DVR to channel 666 and let Evil Episodes give you the in-depth coverage of the stuff that deserves to be but isn't talked about elsewhere.
3: Evil Episodes, the podcasting network. Welcome to the Jack and Emily Show. I'm Jack.
0: I'm Emily. Let's have some fun. I love the zoom on this. Make a smiling face.
3: Come on, Jack. Throw rocks at me. What? You're playing dead?
4: Dear blessed Lord, thank you for the gift you have provided for us. Yesterday morning, Jack and Emily crucified the family cat. Oh,
3: Jack and Emily cornered a boy and began to bite him, and they just wouldn't stop.
5: Let's have a staring contest. I dare you to stare until our movie's done. I bet you you can.
0: Home movie from uh, 2007, I believe, or 2008, one of those two, it was an IFC film. The only disconcertable star that I've seen was Adrian Pastar in the film, who folks know from Heroes and from Near Dark and other good stuff. Um, basically, the plot of the film is uh, a, a pastor and, and a child, a psychiatrist, or husband and wife, and something's very, very wrong with their children. And they they take video footage, I guess, of everything to. Either document that or just have a really good time on holidays, as far as I can tell, because Dad's really into holidays. And um, it's a a spiral of a film where the kids get worse and worse, and their actions get worse and worse, until uh, you get the, ooh, very chilly conclusion to this film. Uh, I'll uh, hit you, Jamie, first, and ask you what you thought about Home Movie.
1: I liked this movie. I had never seen this before, and... Um, kind of surprised that it flew under my radar because it's usually the kind of thing that I look out for. But um, it was there. I think it was really kind of dark and, and creepy in a lot of ways that I wasn't necessarily expecting. And of course, this comes off as like a—it's not really a found footage film, I guess, because uh, the footage isn't really lost. No. But it's just sort of like a family movie footage, and it takes place over the course of. Um, I guess roughly, it's not quite a year, but, you know, you get like the holidays and stuff, which I think is a kind of a cool way to do chapters, basically. What I like about this is that in the very beginning, the parents are acting as if everything's okay. Like they're super happy about everything. They're really enthusiastic about the holidays. Meanwhile, you've got these kids who are just kind of there. I mean, they have no emotion whatsoever. They don't talk. They don't really do anything, except for then they start to do horrible things that just sort of escalate. And there are some kind of unrealistic behaviors here from the parents. You know, I mean, the moment my child shows me a goldfish sandwich, then something is wrong, and I'm probably going to promptly beat their ass and then take them to therapy or, or something. I don't know, but I'm going to react a little stronger than they do. But... Um, You know, I think it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition to see the parents sort of attempting to be overly enthusiastic. I think that I think what they're trying to get across and maybe not completely successfully. But I think the idea is that they're trying to get across that if the parents have this idea that if they act like everything's fine and they're really into everything, then it sort of balances out what's going on with the kids. Maybe they can ignore the kids and it'll go away or Whatever it's sort of alluded to that this is something that may have started in another location because he says you know we moved out here to the middle of nowhere and nothing has changed so we don't get a any backstory but you know there's that little brief mention that kind of gives you an idea that maybe um, it didn't I don't know maybe it's just gotten worse but um, the one thing I the, or the thing that I really like about this film is how it takes it from the dual perspective of the parents, one being a religious perspective because the father is a Lutheran priest, the other being a scientific perspective because the mother is a child psychologist. And uh, we have seen this happen in a couple of movies before where you sort of pit religion against science or, or against you know logic, um, as, as in like, say, um, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, that kind of thing. But typically, one or the other ends up winning out. You know, something in the end will happen and you'll discover, oh, you you know, this whole time we thought it was a possession, but it turns out it wasn't a possession at all. They were just crazy. Or, oh, this whole time we thought they were just crazy and it turns out they were possessed. You know, it'll either go one way or the other. What I think was really interesting about this film is that neither of them worked. You know, the father attempted to do a sort of half-ass exorcism on his children. Meanwhile, the mother attempts to treat them with drugs and in the end... Nothing really works. And we also have that nice illusion at the very end of the movie that, you know, it sort of calls back to the story that the father is telling them in the beginning of the movie about the dragon and which he says to the mother, she's like, well, that's, you know, basically that's a dark and twisted story for kids. And he's like, Oh, it's an allegory about not trusting strangers. Well, at the time when he was telling the story, I was like, it's probably an allegory for (laughs) these kids. And uh, then, it sort of turns out that it is. And I I liked that too. There wasn't a whole lot that you couldn't see coming here. You know, I mean, I I think it sort of ended kind of where I expected that it would. I didn't really expect a happy ending from this film. And so um, I was okay with that. There are a couple of choices that I think the parents made that I don't agree with. One being, you know, if your kids have a clubhouse that say no parents allowed and you respect their privacy, that's one thing, until your children start being homicidal maniacs, then you might want to no longer respect their privacy. I think that would just be a normal thing to do, is to go, let me go look in here and see what's going on. I think I would have done that way before those parents did.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, maybe their reaction to, you know, like, oh, darn, they crucified the family cat. You know, oh, I think that's so would fucking creepy. I would have had a harsher reaction to that. I honestly don't know if the kids would have made it out of this alive if they had been my children because I would have been so, just, ugh, I wanted to wring their necks. Um, but overall, I, I, uh, I thought it was, you know, pretty successful. It was clearly a very low budget film. So I think that what we got out of it was uh, definitely better than I was expecting it to be when it first started. I was sort of pleasantly surprised by that. So uh, it was a positive thing.
0: Um, wild Man, you said you saw many similarities to The Babadook and in the, the, in these kids. Um, Tell us what you thought about the film, sir.
2: Well, I'm not a found footage fan, so that aspect ruined the movie for me a little bit. And then stuff wasn't clear until the end of the movie. Then it made more sense. And then I hated the ending because... I wanted to know what happened and they ain't sure what happened so I don't know how to end it ended. so I was pissed about that but the kids was creepy as all hell I give them that much the kids did pretty good the mom and the dad were idiots but I can understand why because that's your kids and you can't think of your kids but being your kids so I can understand why they ended up being in the shape they did but I just got sick of the shaky cam crap and all that mess
0: that's why I try to avoid watching found
2: footage as much as I can because it's annoying
0: um yeah this film for me Jamie mentioned a whole lot of stuff and a lot of stuff rings true I I, I kind of gotta get get behind you know both parents in a lot of ways because you got on the, on the one side of the coin you got dad who's a Lutheran minister who I guess was looking for faith to work out you know did his children will, will find a way you know, with the right, with with the right, you know, encouragement and with with the right support from their parents. Because m- mom was mom was was toned out through this whole film. Because you could tell throughout her little video interludes that she she had no faith that something was wrong with these kids that only a, a, a psychology could help, or or which you see later on meds could help. You know, which I thought that was brilliant. One of those brilliant things about this film is everything that Dad does. Everything that's shown in the film is, is, is as he describes. You know, don't take too many meds, or this will happen to you. Look, son, this is how you tie a knot where nobody will get out. That comes into play later. Um, oh, everything. Uh, the 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 kids. I, 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 the lock pick. The, the lock pick. Oh yeah, the bobby pin with the lock. So it's like, why would you
1: teach your ten year old to pick a lock? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it all
0: comes into play, which which really works in this movie. But the one part that one part that made me laugh my ass off, and I shouldn't have laughed because there's something very wrong with these kids, is uh, I guess the America's Funniest Home Videos moment of this movie, where dad and son are, are playing baseball, and he the son just chucks a rock at his nugget for no good reason,
3: <laughs>
0: with the, with the force of fucking Nolan Ryan or something, just just hits him as hard as he can with this rock, and you know basically said, yep, dad, I'm done. Especially when Dad pitches the ball and he it and he just knocks that fucking ball into left field, and oh, the, the, I love the, the kids have their own language because I, I guess they might they may or may not be twins. Maybe that's a, some kind of connective for these kids.
1: I think they are twins. I think it's
0: um, state because they were both born on Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the 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 fact that they 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 they're plotting was real subtle. But when shit started to go down, especially with the crucifixion of the cat and then, of course, when, you know, they had their little friends hanging out and then all of a sudden they were out of the room and there was the the three wise men just chilling, watching TV. And then they they find them and, you know, they're they're their friend. They're going to, I guess, sacrifice the friend or or eat the friend or it's not really clear what these kids are going to do to the friend. But they're basically at that point in the film going to get taken away by the government and that's when the really fucked up shit starts to happen with the parents, them doing stuff to the parents. And oh, uh, I almost don't want to spoil the end of this movie because I, I, I really, I really enjoyed where I didn't enjoy, I mean, I really enjoyed where it went, you know, but I really liked the, the, the way it played out because there, there is no happy exit to this film. Like you said, he had, he had a bootleg exorcism on the kids and that did no good at all. I guess it's just pissed off whatever was possessing them. <laughs> if they were possessed by anything, these kids just could have been some really shitty kids. This, none of it is explained, which I like, I like even more because it's real be really easy to say, Hey, look, we found this book and this spirit says such and such, and he lives in the woods and he, he, he possesses children and this, that or the other. Nothing is explained. And I, that's, that's a good thing and a bad thing. I think it's a good, it, a good thing in my book. That nothing is explained. That these kids are just some little fucking fuckers, and that they they are all of a sudden crazy people who bounding bounding gag their parents and wear very creepy paper bags on their heads and you know talk to the camera. This is the such and such and Emily show. You better watch the camera the whole time, or something bad's gonna happen to you. When they talked, they where they talked, it was even more creepy. Uh, it's oh um, and um yeah, it was it was just. I'm with Willis. I don't like found footage all that much, but this one creeped me the fuck out. And so, uh, it's, it, it was good. It, it worked. It did, it did its job in 76 minutes. This is a very short film, but that's not necessarily not in its favor. I think it did. It It played and it played well for 76 minutes. So yeah, you if you, if there's anything, it'll only takes 76 minutes out of your life. You know, um, I, I don't have anything really to add to this. It's just, uh, Without giving away the, the fucking oh, crazy pants, man. It's really it's really good, though, and I really enjoy it. I think IFC Films is putting out some really decent stuff, and this is uh, no exception. And um, I'll put you to you guys. If, if you have anything else you want to say about it, uh, Jamie?
1: No, I think we pretty much covered it. I will say, I will agree, this is a short film, and I think it goes by pretty quickly. So I would recommend a viewing of this. You know, why not? Um, Especially if you like evil kid movies, which I absolutely adore. It's one of my favorite subgenres. genres and, um, and if you don't mind sort of the found footage style of, of handheld, then, uh, yeah, give this a watch. Uh, no reason not to.
0: And it has the classic uh, effect of go upstairs, honey, and get the bat instead of go run and get help, honey. You know? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> go run and get yeah. help. Or, or untie me. Or, would uh, wouldn't that be the first thing you would do? Because two are better, audit. You know, two have a better fighting chance than one. I would have been un- I would have been untying his ass, and there is bound to be a better weapon around there. F- fucking chair. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going all the way upstairs to get the goddamn bat.
0: Yeah, or just fucking go. They know they know where the road is. They know where the highway is. But then again, the kids were setting up little predator traps outside for the parents to step on nails and everything else to slow him down, and and um, yeah, the, 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 the climax of this movie is as bonkers as we're talking about, and all that, and a whole lot more, so uh, yeah, watch this movie, Joe. <laughs> uh, Wild got you know, anything else you want to say about it?
2: Well, for those that are found footage fans, I highly recommend you watching this movie. I'm not a found footage fan, so that kind of really takes me out of the movie. But it is creepy, so I give it that. And I'm glad it doesn't drag on too long. So, that's my thoughts about
0: the movie. Fair enough. Um, we're going to ratings now. Jamie, what is your ratings for this whole movie?
1: I'm going to give this one an... Man, I don't... I mean, I want to give it an 8. I do, but then that kind of ranks it higher than Joel of the Corner. That ain't cool. Um... (laughs) But uh, you know what? I don't know. I, I, I do have some issues with it. and and most of that being, I don't think some of these things are the way that actual people would behave. No. So I'm gonna give
0: this a seven. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with the seven. I, I, I don't I, I can't say it was bad, but it, it did its job for creep me the fuck out. So that's that's a good job for a horror film, you know. Uh, not many films, you know, I didn't say like what the fuck did I just see just now that that film did it for me so it gets it gets some extra points for that into that that what the fuck department you know so um we'll be right back to uh close out the program
1: flesh like smoke is the toothsome new shapeshifter anthology from april moon books Curated and edited by Brian M. Sammons with illustrations by Neil Baker, Flesh Like Smoke is a collection of 16 tales of visceral horror from today's most talented authors. Some of these tortured souls lash out against their cursed existence, while others relish the taste of animalistic power. Ranging from gut-wrenching terror to heart-rending pathos, Flesh Like Smoke will leave you salivating for more with every turn of the page. Flesh Like Smoke is available in paperback and ebook format from Amazon.com and AprilMoonBooks.com, as well as other online purveyors of fine literature. Hurry to sink your claws into a copy before the next full moon.
5: One dark and stormy night in the mid-80s, Joe Bob Briggs, Harlan Ellison, and the ghost of El Santo pulled a train on Elvira while Siskel and Ebert sobbingly masturbated in the corner. From that union arose the greatest movie critic and luchador that ever lived. We're not going to talk about him. He's kind of a dick. Instead, we're going to talk about me, El Goro, the stuttering movie fan and host of the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. Every week on Talk Without Rhythm, I discuss two to three movies tangentially tied together by a theme. I cover action and the most complete fighter in the world, sci-fi. Open the pod bay doors, El. I'm sorry,
4: Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that.
5: Horror. Oh, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. And the continuing adventures of James Spader, sexual deviant. You're not worried that I'm going to fuck you, are
4: you? I'm not interested in that, and I'm a waste. Now pull up your skirt.
5: So check me out at tworpodcast.blogspot.com, drunkenzombie.com, or subscribe on iTunes. Talk Without Rhythm, the only podcast that will not attract the world. Adios.
4: films. Oh, gimme, gimme, gimme. Ah, cinema. Porkies, meatballs too. Enjoy your crap fest. I'll <laughs> oh, go read the Bell Jar, you poser. Klaus, prepare to feast your eyes on the majestic grandeur of the silver screen. A great classic. Comes to the screen. Take thy hand, fair prince. Who said I'm fair? To be or not to be? Not to be. Columbia Pictures is proud to present the screen's greatest action hero, Jack Slater. Slater! Don't even think it, Slater, you hear me? This is the lieutenant governor. Slater, here's what I The governor gets here, call me. And Danny Madigan is his biggest fan.
3: (laughs) Jack Slater 4.
4: But tonight, a magic ticket It's a passport to another world. will get Danny closer to the action than anyone ever dreamed. who the hell are you don't me i'm danny madigan i'm a kid and you're going with him who is this sport? and where is that smile on his face i don't even know this kid to a world that's bigger than life this ticket is magic and it really works and better than real you really believe that you're inside a movie don't you yes the bad guys
2: are in there i've seen it on screen
4: could i speak to the drug dealer of the house please
2: Have a nice day.
4: Have him killed. This summer, it's head-on (laughs) thrills. I have killed people smarter and younger than you. Head first, excitement. I hate when it happens. He's got the ticket. Now I possess power real power. He's gone over to my world! In this world, the bad guys can win! The door must still be open! Come on! If I go, how do I get back? And it's coming at you from both sides of the screen. Where am I now? This isn't the movies anymore, Jack. Please be careful, things were different here. Damn it, that hurt! Arnold Schwarzenegger is Jack Slater. this hero stuff has its limits and Jack Slater is everybody down the last action hero the big ticket for 93 I'll be back ha you did not gonna say that did you that's what you always say I do
3: fracture of the tibia in both legs and the fibula in the right leg is fractured too this
4: was kind of a miracle you finding me
3: in a way i was following you see that's how i'm your number one fan and all i've read everything in yours
4: you're very kind
3: i noticed in your case there's a new paul sheldon book you want to read it you'll never realize what a rare treat you've given me you dirty bird misery chastain cannot be dead
4: misery spirit is still
3: alive yeah, I know you've been out of your room
4: I don't know what you're talking about
3: is this what you're looking for
4: whatever you think i doing at least don't James Kahn and Kathy Bates in her Academy Award
3: winning role God it's for the best hey, please. God I love you misery
0: Well, that was a good time talking about some shitty Supernatural kids. I'll uh, kick it to you, Willis, to tell the folks where, what you got going on and where they can find you.
2: Oh, I got so many irons in the fire. Terror Troop is going to start back up September the 6th. Yeah, buddy. Yep. Of course, the two-drink minimum I have for Gary and Gil and anybody else we can muster up. the uh, no f and commentaries. We getting ready to go into the Leprechaun movie soon. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> and, of course, my YouTube page. Come sus- subscribe to my page. I have about 75 people now. I want more. You don't even have to watch the videos. Just subscribe.
1: <laughs> uh Jamie. I ain't doing shit. I, <laughs> I don't. I have not been. I mean, Devour is. I don't know what's going on with Devour. I have no idea. Um, Skeleton Crews on a hiatus. Devours on a hiatus. Evil episodes. Okay, we're about to record a new episode of Evil Episodes next week, but we wanted to give Fear the Walking Dead, um, you know, a chance to get two episodes under its belt, so we could talk a little bit more about it. So we're recording that next week. And I haven't been doing direct-to-video because, uh, like, this week um, Matt was out of town, and then there was one week when Matt was sick, and then other weeks I've been working. So we haven't done that in probably three or four weeks. I just have – I haven't been doing much lately. So um, it was nice to do this because I haven't done anything recently. And that's about it. And There's – um oh, of course, the book that came out.
0: You're, you're um, published, babe.
1: That's right. Yeah. Um, so check out – if you want to read the story, check out uh, The Lonely and Curious Country. It's available in paperback on Amazon and also um, at the – just go to Amazon. It's easier if you want. I don't know if they're doing an ebook version of that. I have not received word from the publisher regarding that, but it is available in paperback if anybody wants to check it out. And uh, the story that we have in that book is called Afterbirth, and basically that's a collection of Lovecraftian horror stories. So um, if you're a Lovecraft fan or even just a horror fan, then check that out. And that's kind of exciting. I almost forgot that, and that so yeah, that is exciting. That's one exciting thing. That's
0: beautiful. Um. Yeah, Cinema Beef Podcast, which you're listening to right now. Two Drink Minimum commentaries. Sloppy Seconds on the world Affiliate Network. Come join the Facebook group. Uh, come hit me on Twitter at at GW or at Cinema Beef Cast. You can check that out too. I, I manage both accounts when I can. Um. Super exciting news. Uh, confirmed today that we are getting an interview with uh. <laughs> great writer and director a guy you know if you if you you watched horror in the 80s uh mr tom holland is going to talk to us about cloak and dagger and and a couple other things i'm sure too but cloak and dagger will be the main main discussion because that was that really struck his fancy when i told him that i love cloak and dagger and he said that you know he doesn't do many podcasts but you know for cloak and dagger he would he would talk to us so he's he's excited we're excited so and uh yeah, hopefully that'd they, be a really great shot for Legion because he said that he was going to pimp the shit out of it. So he's going to do some promotion for us and uh, be really great for the network and great for us. So just uh, keep, keep a listen for that in a future episode. Um, Besides that, all that excitement. Uh, <laughs> I, I, already, I already came and gone, but I'll be uh, hopefully getting some more cool contacts at Whorehound Weekend in a couple of weeks from when we're recording this. It's just uh, if Nightmare on Elm Street threw up all over the place, that'd be that convention. Plus other cu- couple cool folks like uh, Stephen McCaddy from um, Pontypool in History of Violence and The Strain. He's going to be there. and So who knows? Who else? Who knows who else I'll uh, muster up, you know, pressing the flesh as they say. If you kiss enough ass, they'll talk to you. So, you know. You, you, gotta, you gotta try doing that every once in a while. So <laughs> keep a listen for uh, all that good stuff. And always hear the Sin Beef Podcast. If you've got beef, I've got the grinder. See you guys next time.